Hi, welcome to the Founders for Good Bite Size Edition, where every week we'll be sharing a short clip of a founder chatting about a particular problem that exists in the world and how we go about solving that problem. This week we have Bex Taylor from Organize. Being a self-proclaimed troublemaker from an early age, Bex quickly realised the power of collective action in driving positive change. Organise give people the platform and tools to be heard and achieve positive change in the workplace. Bex chats about common workplace issues, why people are scared to take action, removing those barriers and the difference organisers made. I start by asking Bex about the options available to someone raising an issue at work. Uh, yes, this is a good question. Um, and I think the answer for right is, is sadly quite limited, um, which is part of the sort of experience I actually had personally as well. Um, I kind of like, think, I guess the, the, the thread I found through my early career particularly was that experience of being uh, a young woman in the workplace. Um, and that, uh, you know, I think I was not alone in experiencing harassment at work, nor were my friends. Um, or in one case, one of my friends who works at you know, highly paid corporate job who found us who found herself getting fired for for getting pregnant. These sort of situations that are happening where actually in in some ways they're downright illegal and in other cases they're on that borderline of like, is this right? Is this okay? What do you do about it? Um and you know, your first potential instinct or option is I'll go to HR or I'll, you know, I'll talk to someone in my company potentially who could help me. Maybe it's just a case that no one knew about it. Um that can be a very difficult option and also very exposing for people, particularly because, and you may, you may not realize this up until the point you're actually doing it, which is that HR really are there to represent the employer. Um, and they're not necessarily that then diagram of whether or not they are helping you is not always true, particularly in a situation where it might be that you're exposing something or challenging an incident that happened at work or that maybe like is, you know, goes all the way up to the top to your boss or to um, the board. Um, and you can find yourself in, in a very, risky situation in that regard um there's then some other options that you might see i think if you're in um if you're in the public sector there's more access to potentially a trade union if you're in a workplace that is already unionized um there is the option of of going to your trade union that can um have its merits particularly in terms of maybe if you need to get access to a lawyer and you don't have have the funds for that um but sadly in a lot of cases uh access to trade unions is very limited, um, particularly in the private sector where it's sort of the kind of the density is almost is almost zero. The majority of people um, don't have that ability to pick up the phone, to get access to a lawyer, to get access to advice about really what to do and what to do next. Um, sometimes you're, you're really left kind of relying on either your own knowledge, the network of your own colleagues, um, if you're able to figure something out, if you're able to group together and kind of, kind of make a demand. Um, that can be a difficult space. There's also not necessarily all the tools out there to be able to call out something or mobilize. Um, I'm sure we've seen there's many cases of it. It seems to currently be going on right now in Twitter, which is that if you write about your workplace on your company Slack or over email or in what you think is a sort of like secure group with your colleagues, um, you can find yourself being fired or you can find your boss being able to read and access all of that content and all of that chat. And it's that's a very insecure place to be as well. Yeah. No, it's pretty scary actually because you think about the variety and the volume of like the problems that exist, and actually you'd hope that the options to the employees would would mirror that, but it's really the opposite. Um, and I was going to ask, like, in terms of what you see or your like knowledge, like, what are some of the most common like workplace issues or policies that people are taking action against? And and the second part of the question is, are there certain sectors or like types of workers that are more vulnerable or like suffer more than most? Uh, yeah, also a great question. I think there's lots of um, lots of ways to kind of 
to kind of look at what what the scale of the problem is or what the common issues are. I think there's um, maybe kind of two threads that I think uh, are affecting everyone, regardless of of your role, your job, or your skill. Right now, um, one of those is the you know the upheaval and the impact of of the pandemic on life at work. So kind of um, for a lot of people that really suddenly was a noticeable shift in not just how you work. So for a lot of people who were with more desk-based jobs or maybe kind of more in the sort of private sector, white collar, suddenly finding themselves, they didn't have water cooler chat anymore. They didn't have the ability to see their colleagues. They suddenly found the rug really pulled out of them in terms of what is the health and safety at my workplace? What are, what are my rights if I need time off if I'm sick? That sort of thing. The same parallel was also happening in uh, people who were on more frontline jobs. So, you know, frontline shop workers, people working in the NHS and healthcare, suddenly finding themselves in a situation where they might have assumed their employer had their back or would have their back in a situation where they needed sick leave, they needed emergency childcare, all of these sorts of situations, but suddenly finding that actually their employer was not prepared or was actively not willing um, to kind of give them that flexibility or those extra rights at work. And I think there's been an interest in shift in the pandemic of that realization, I think has happened for a lot of people, potentially of a situation that already exists, but really magnified uh, through that experience. Um, and I think the second sort of layer that's affecting really everyone right now is rising inflation, cost of living, food yeah. prices, energy prices. Um, it's really quite hard to not be touched by that at the moment, um, depending on, you know, your job and your salary level, but with a situation right now where, um, you know, nearly 5 million workers in the UK are in what, what's classed as low pay work, um, where you're, um, you know, the minimum wage or the wage you are on is literally not enough <laughs> to be able to keep a roof over your head, have clothing and have your heating on. Um, coupled with for, for many more workers, and this is also very much true in the US as well, where you're not even on a full-time contract anyway, you might be on something called zero hours work or zero hours contract. Um, and so really for millions of workers right now, just being able to have those those basics of a security of like knowing what day to day, how much work you're going to have, what you're going to be paid for it. And are you going to be okay at the end of the month? Um, that situation actually seems to be getting worse rather than better as, as, as the years go on. Um, and so I think those two things all in one are leading to a situation really where the, the world of work is quite clearly broken. Um, and people are noticing it and people are wanting to do something about it. Um, but it being sometimes quite difficult to, to, to mobilize or to have a kind of collective voice within that. Yeah. And, and on that kind of final point about the difficulties, and, and that was something I was going to ask you about next was like the barriers that exist for people in terms of their ability to take action. Like, um, you know, you talked earlier a bit about people just not knowing what their options are sometimes and it's very hard to know uh, and sometimes you go to people like HR functions thinking that's a good route but it's not necessarily so in terms of people yeah taking action what, what are some of the other reasons that people struggle to know what to do or like don't take action yeah I think there's a, cu- a couple of things here one um potentially kind of I think there's a there's a narrative at the moment I don't know if you've heard of this sort of like this quiet quitting culture or something kind of along yeah. those lines um which you know in some ways sounds great it's like people are taking back control and sort of taking charge of their careers um I think that narrative actually kind of misses out quite a key component of the lived experience for most people right now is it it's too risky to quit your job particularly if um you know you've got childcare needs you've got dependents you really need financial security quitting isn't the best option and is incredibly risky for a lot of people. Um, and so actually it comes, it comes more to a question of 
within the job you might have or the work experience you are in? How can you make that better? How can you advocate for yourself or advocate with your colleagues to improve that situation? Um, because, yeah, sadly, while that might be the case for some people who, who are maybe in a position of their career where they can move on, that is not the reality for most working people. Um, and I think the kind of the gap or clearly what's kind of really needed at the moment is that ability to... F- fix your own employment, improve your life at work, particularly for a lot of people as well. There's aspects of your job you might like. There is like parts of your company you might um, really enjoy. You you know, people pour their hearts and souls sometimes into work. And if there might be some things that they're not feeling they're getting back from that, it doesn't mean they want to leave the job necessarily. They just want to be recognized and they want to have a way for their for their voice to be heard. Um, and I think the similar thing, as you mentioned as well, of like knowing what those next steps are, what are those first steps um outside of quitting or I guess being some kind of like rabble rouser <laughs> that really sticks your hand above the parapet again that risk of being fired is real and that risk of being exposed as a troublemaker is real as well yeah. um and for so many people that's not that's not their natural inclination and that's yeah definitely fair enough yeah totally and um to talk about if, if people do decide to go down the campaign route um you know it's, i've never i've never done that I, I don't even know what they look like or how they work like could you just explain like what is the campaign how do they work and, and you know, how can they then actually create scenarios where employers are forced to take action yeah totally um in lots of ways i think the word the word campaign is is unhelpful because again you, you cast this picture of you must be a uh, you must be a rabble rouser you must be a revolutionary yeah. um that again just isn't isn't the reality really what you're talking about when you're talking about making or improving your situation at work you're talking about a way essentially to to build power with your colleagues like your employer in most situations has a majority if not all the power in a situation it has oversight over the salary everyone is on they have oversight of a company policy they have the ability to chop and change all those decisions you as an employee depending how far removed you might be from the decision making process can have anything from absolutely no say over that to maybe somewhere in the middle where you might have some soft power and some soft influence um and the key thing really about changing or improving your situation at work is about okay what is the leverage or the mechanism or the channels I can use and how can I also include or involve my colleagues in that so that you have essentially either a safety in numbers as a kind of collective or a way in which you can essentially advocate for your demand or advocate for the thing you would like to change. Um, I can maybe go into a few few examples later on, but what we often find particularly organised is the case is that um, the employer sometimes just doesn't or is not aware of some of what the working experience might be like. This I think is particularly true for um, larger employers, particularly kind of like where their employees may be shop floor or having this particular working experience and the boss is so far removed, they can't even begin to fathom what the kind of key challenges are for someone in that working situation. Um, and actually that again just shows how, how broken that world of work is that the employer is not able to escalate or to be able to, to, to share that data in a traditional method. So instead you've got to look to actually, what are some other ways you can do that? You can potentially gather that data yourself with your colleagues. You can then create a demand or create a way in which you can advocate for that change. Um, and generally speaking, that does not mean that you've got to go and barricade the door down <laughs> and you know, take a kind of adversarial approach. Actually, the, exactly. The first line approach really is identifying what is the situation you would like to change? What is some of the ways that you can advocate for that case and then what is the way you can take that to the decision maker whether that's your boss or manager or whoever kind of has has that given power at the time 
And do you find like um, when there is that collective internally within a business and the, the there is then like no excuse around lack of awareness at a senior level within the company, will most companies actually make change at that point when they realize there's a big demographic within their company that are struggling with a certain condition? Um, or, and like how many of those don't care and it's actually kind of got to go more, I guess, external. It's got to be like public social pressure has to start mounting for them to start to do something. Yeah, totally. There can be definitely different routes to change depending on that situation, depending on the employer. Um, I'd probably say I think far more than you might assume are in that first camp of the employer once they know or have a visibility of some of the situation of what is happening for their employees, plus an amount of pressure from having seen the level of support potentially among how many employees or how many colleagues or how many people have been involved. Um, That usually creates a tipping point by which you can get, if not all of your demands or some of your demands met. Um, so, so an example of, of one that happened on, on Organise about a year ago was um, grocery shop workers at the co-op, which is essentially a small chain of, of grocery stores all around the UK. Um, what workers were often finding was because they were there was this new policy where it was called a one-on-one shift, which is essentially one person working in the shop front, one at the back, um, which I assume was some some decision made up at the top top of the company chain to improve efficiency and how many workers you needed employed at, at one time. Um, the reality of that was that the person who was on the shop floor was on their own and in an incredibly risky situation where they were vulnerable to knife crime, people coming in, armed robberies, all, all of the above. There's actually a parallel situation happening in the US around the Dollar Tree stores as well. And obviously with, in the US, it's, it's gun robbery rather than knives, but essentially the same situation. Um, what was happening, however, was uh, the co-op had no idea this was happening, that all these armed robberies <laughs> were happening. People were being threatened at knife point. And the main reason for that was for in order for the employees to report a situation like that or to report that there was a robbery in their store, they had to stay behind after their shift and fill out a form that took half an hour to fill in to explain the situation and to send it up the HR chain and potentially to never get a response. And so you might imagine if on the, on the wage you're on um, for that work, you're keen to get home at the end of your shift. You're not keen to sit there and spend more time um, putting you know, comments in for a company and then not getting a response. So this was not being reported. The management had no idea it was happening. I mean, the workers were really quite worried about it and feeling it was a situation that um, they didn't necessarily know how to shift or how to change. Um, what they did on uh, when they came on the organized platform was it started with just a couple of workers saying, actually, is this happening to you as well? Am I alone in this situation? Is this, is this like, um, you know, something that we should maybe do something about? Um, and suddenly, because they started to gather a network of uh, other co-op workers all around the stores, all around the country, they started to realize the scale of the problem. Um, and so they used a like, basic survey that they built on the platform to gather all that data in. So to say, how many times has it happened to you? What was the experience like? What was the effect on, on the co-op? Um, and then some kind of questions of like, you know, what are some solutions here to which an obvious one is to not have one-on-one shifts or to have various different changes in the security and the arrangements in the store. Um, and just in the act of compiling that report, taking it up to company HQ, it, it was listened to because the employer suddenly realized just how large this problem was. And also, I think a little bit on the back foot of kind of like, how on earth did it come to the situation that we didn't know all of these yeah, problems yeah. were happening? And that was really because they were not structured in a way. The power was all up at the top of the chain. No one able to advocate or say what it was like um, on the shop floor. Um, 
And yeah, that was a situation where maybe you might have assumed the company wouldn't wouldn't have responded in a positive way. But with that data presented, it was so hard to say no. And it was so clear what the data exposed um, that they were able to get to get those demands met. Um, that's often quite a common situation of um, when the employees are able to gather data about their situation, they're able to do it collectively in numbers. That also gives them safety as well. Like you can't you can't fire everyone who's taking part in this and you can yeah, do it yeah, in yeah. an anonymized way as well. Um, and then that means that you're far more likely to, to get listened to. It starts to rebalance that power in the workplace. And that's that's where it gets really interesting. Yeah, no, it is. And, and yeah, it makes it makes total sense when you describe it like that. Um, and I could probably spend another half an hour chatting to you about how this stuff works, but I think it's probably a good good point. And I think people are probably guessing what you do, but it'd be great to hear from your own words, Bex, like what Organize does and yeah, how you help people. Yeah, sure. So um, in, in, a, in a very short nutshell, Organize is a worker-led network for fixing employment. Um, so we our mission is to empower every worker with the tools, the network, and the confidence to get heard, heard at work. Um, and those three areas are each very important in themselves. So recognizing that um, it can be quite scary and difficult to advocate for yourself at work, particularly in a situation where you've been powerless or you've been isolated. Um, and so really what organizers about is saying, actually, here is a safe space where you can work with your colleagues to identify the problems that are happening to you at work or the issues that you'd like to resolve. Um, and so that first step is really being able to, to let off steam, to, to, to talk to your colleagues and to be like, hang on, is this happening for you as well? Or how do you feel about the recent changes in our company? What should we do something about it? Um, and then the following steps from that, you're able to clarify the issue you might be having. So whether that's um, you know, running a survey to see how far and wide um, is an issue in, in your company or in your industry, um, and then a third step from that, once you've identified some of those issues or some things you'd like to change, um, is there are a set of a suite of tools essentially where you can leverage and kind of, I guess, campaign without risk would be the, be the way I'd frame it. But you can, um, you're able to um, run surveys, run polls, gather data into reports. You're able to run petitions and open letters. Those tools that might traditionally have been used in political organising, but actually instead applied to the workplace in a way that um, because you've got safety in numbers and because you don't have to sort of like publicly announce your name, I, you know, Bex Hay, I'm starting a campaign. Um, you're able to have that confidence that you can, you can start something. And when your colleagues are with you, then you're really able to rally and really able to advocate within, within your own, within your own company or within your own industry for that change. Um, so broadly speaking, it is, um, it is a network, but really like crucially, it's different to the kind of social networks like, I guess Facebook or Twitter, which are defined by the people you know, also different to the kind of, I guess, like next door or kind of um, neighborhood style social networks. Um, it's actually about where you work, your employment status, but also the industry you work in or others who might work in a similar working situation. So it doesn't matter if, you know, maybe you only know three other people who work in the same supermarket as you because you all have different shifts, but actually... The fact that there's 12,000 of you in the organised network all across the UK or all across Europe, suddenly that means that you have so much more power than you did on your own to be able to advocate for change. 